Enough said. What else do you need? I can't give you anything besides that. How great thou art. He's greater, bigger, more powerful than any problem that you have. End of story. I want to admonish you tonight to not forget the greatness of your God. There's none like him. Never has been, never will be. Oh. We were singing, standing in his presence. This great king, this great God that we serve, he's here. He's not a myth or a fable or a fairy tale. He's real. And he's alive and he has covenanted with his, us in his word that where two or more are gathered together, I'm in their midst. When we're gathered in his name, he is in our midst. And I don't know what you brought in here with you tonight, but I know how you can leave. You can leave saved. You can leave, leave healed. You can leave encouraged. You can leave with peace that surpasses understanding because of the greatness of the God that we serve. I'm not going to preach. I refuse to. But I do want to exhort you for just a minute. God dropped this in my heart today, and I thought it was for me, Andy. And it is. But as he began to sing, How Great Thou Art, God just reminded me that I need to remind you that this is for you. This God's for you. <laughs> Come on, belly up to the bar and get you some. Hallelujah. If you got your Bible, turn to 1 Kings. That's over in the Old Testament, page 330 in my Bible. Of course, I'm reading from one of them uh, New King James versions tonight. To set the stage, you have to you really need to go back and read all of chapter 17 and all of chapter 18. Israel is in a backslidden condition. They've turned to false idols and worship. God, through his prophet Elijah, had him to declare a drought. This ticked everybody off, especially Jezebel and the king Ahab. The Lord said there won't even be so much as dew. Not only will there be no rain, there won't even be any dew until I tell you to command it. Then we see how they gather at Mount Carmel and preached a sermon on that one time. And I don't title many sermons, but I titled this one, Andy, and it was the shootout at Mount Carmel. 450 prophets of Baal and Astaroth. I was reading in my Haley's Bible Concordance commentary. And... Astaroth was the god that 
they sacrificed babies to. And I believe that this is one reason why Elijah was so hard on them boys. There at Mount Carmel, y'all know the the story, how they set the stage with the bullock. Those 450 called on their gods to, to no avail. Got to the point that even Elijah mocked them, made fun of them. Then he calls on his God and he called down fire. Consumed the sacrifice. Israel repented. They saw that the God of Elijah was the God, not just a God. He's the God. And as a result, they, as a nation, turned back to him. Some of you tonight need to repent. And you need to turn back to God for there's surely chaos and turmoil in your life and no matter how you try to put a Band-Aid on it or fix it up or anesthetize it, whether it be with alcohol or drugs or things or stuff or whatever, the pain won't go away. I was talking with Haley today how when God created us, there's a place in each and every one of us that only he can fulfill. We try sticking all kinds of things in there to satisfy us and appease us. And, and this word says that sin is fun for a season, but after a season goes by, then we re realize that it's not the answer. How many of you have been there? I have. Well, I've thought many times sitting in those clubs years ago, I don't go to them anymore. I would. I promise you I would. In fact, I'm just going to put serve notice to you. I may be going to one real soon. Because you see, it's been brought to my attention. There are, there's a CD swap club at one of the local clubs from our services and how it's the word has gotten back to me that they don't feel comfortable coming to church but they'd like to meet that preacher so if you hear that I was seen going in the door at a particular club when the time is right if that's what God wants I'll be there I'll be there Because God, this great God that we're singing about, loves those people enough that he died for them. And I want you to recognize and embrace the fact that he says, I would that none should perish, but that all would pass from death unto life. And we need to embrace the great commission more seriously than we often do. You need to embrace the fact that as children of God, as sheep of the fold, that you have a responsibility according to the word that sheep beget sheep. You have a role to play in propagating the gospel. 
You have a tremendous role according to Billy Graham. 80% of the people that will come to know Jesus as their Savior come as a result of one-on-one witnessing. You see, it's not so much the sermon you preach, but it's the life you live. They'd rather see a sermon than hear one. And believe me, they're watching your life. They're watching the way you walk. They're watching the way you talk. They're watching the way you handle circumstances. The Word of God clearly says this, that your life is a living epistle, known and read of all men. People are reading the pages of your life every day. What are they reading? What are they seeing? I admonish you. If repentance is needed to repent, Turn to God. Draw close to him. Let him draw close to you. Let him breathe upon you the breath of the Holy Spirit and empower you to go forth and to be a light that shines in darkness and a voice that proclaims in the wilderness the hope that we have in God. You see, the devil is doing a great job at convincing many people that their circumstance, their situation is hopeless. Therefore, he's causing them to find, think that life is futile, it can't change. Well, I want you to know there's not a circumstance or a situation that God can't show up and show out in and that he can't make a difference in. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't believe that he's grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. I don't believe that he's a thing of the past. I believe he's a thing of the present and of the future. I want you to know that his eyes roam to and fro throughout the whole earth among his people looking for someone that will let him show himself mighty and strong on their behalf. Will you let him? Then I want to exhort you with a brief reading that goes hand in hand with what my brother's saying tonight. After all of this shootout at Mount Carmel and how Elijah, he didn't even take names. He just kicked tail. God got the glory. Repentance came. Now we see in verse 41, the drought's about to end. Verse 41, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look forward or toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. I'm going to back up. I want you to hear that again. Go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It hadn't started raining yet. But you see, Elijah had heard from God. He knew rain was coming. Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. That verse right there has mystified me. 
Do you know how many times I have tried to outrun my horse to head him off at the gate, and I, can't, I cannot outrun that sucker? Have you, Brother Wayne? He outrun that chariot. But here's what I want to challenge you and leave you with tonight. Be persistent and be consistent in your trust in God and in his word. You see, when this all began over back in 17, when he spoke that there wouldn't be rain or dew, the next thing he does is God says, you better get out. In fact, let me back up. I found the wording kind of funny. But uh, uh-huh. verse 3 of 17 says, get away from here. And turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith. You see, the Lord sent him out there after he had proclaimed that word. And he took care of him there for a while. Finally, the brook dried up. I love that part in there about how that raven would fly through the palace and take meat off the table and deliver it to him out there. That's just another example of how If God needs to send a bird through the White House to bring you something, he can. And I ain't talking about the eagle and postage stamp. God can do anything. So, six times this servant went up and looked toward the sea. Nothing. Most of us would not have ever made it to that sixth trip. We'd have gone once or twice, maybe three times. But when he said, go look again, most of us would have went, why? We might have acted like we were going to look. We might have even openly defied and said, nope, I ain't doing it. Wearing my new sneakers out going up and down that hill. But he kept obeying the word from God through his servant, Elijah. And on that seventh time, there's a cloud. It's only the size of a man's hand rising up out of the sea. Sometimes when you begin to see God work, you think, that's just a little move. You know, one of the verses in the Bible that, well, I don't want to say I don't like because I'm being recorded, but... I don't like it. (laughs) And it's this. It says, the Lord worketh little by little. We want to say, just hurry up and get it done. But you see, sometimes, no, not sometimes, always, God is an on-time God. And there's a process of him getting to that appointed time in that appointed place to where it will come to pass. And tonight, my challenge to you is, you keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You keep knocking. You keep seeking. You keep looking. You keep hoping. You keep having that faith. You keep going and looking unto God. You keep going and looking in the direction he's told you to look, which is what? His word. Look unto the hills from which cometh our help and look unto his word. 
Matters not what your circumstances. Matters not what you're facing. Matters not what you're going through. This great God that we sing about tonight, he's well aware of every detail. He's well aware of the specifics. He's well aware of what the doctors have said. He's well aware of what the stock market looks like. He's well aware of what the relationships have been like. He's well aware of your health. He's well aware of everything. Nothing takes him by surprise. He doesn't have to come up with a plan B. He doesn't have to say, oops, my bad. He doesn't have to say, do over. No. You see, I shared with you once before, and I'm going to share this, and then I'm going to close. Nathaniel, if you want to come on up. I was at a rodeo school in Oklahoma one time, and I was asked probably the most profoundly thought-out question that I've ever been asked pertaining to the things of God, and it was by a little nine-year-old girl. James Zant, some of you from the rodeo world knows who he is. He's an NFR calf roper. He was there instructing the, the breakaway roping for the girls, and I hear James whistle, and I look, and he did like this, so I start over there, and he met me <clears throat> 20, 30 feet away from those little girls, and he says, man, this little girl just asked me a question, and I don't know how to answer it. Maybe you can answer it. I thought, uh-oh. <clears throat> so I go over there, and I bend down. I said, honey, what's your question? She said, I would like to know why Jesus had to die the way he died and when did he decide he'd do it? And I said, well, God cut a covenant with people and there's nine steps in cutting a covenant and one step is that there has to be the shedding of innocent blood and Jesus lived a sinless life he never sinned and his blood was pristine and pure and when he shed that blood on Calvary it redeemed sinful man back to holy God and he decided that he would do it before the foundations of the world before the foundations of the world, he was the lamb slain for the sins of man. You see, God didn't create man to fail. But in his foreknowledge, he knew man would fail. So he already had a plan in place before he ever made man to redeem man back. That's this great God we're singing about. Don't try to figure him out with your intellect. The finite brain can't handle the infinite God. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, nor can he, for they're spiritually discerned. The only way you'll ever really know God is to know him and begin to be led by his spirit and begin to learn to hear his voice and begin to know his word and to begin to build and to cultivate that relationship with him to where sometimes he just whispers or gives you a little nudge and you recognize it right away. But tonight some of you have been going through some things that you just don't, you just hadn't seen any way out.
Tonight is just a reminder of the greatness of your God. The only way you lose is if you quit fighting the fight of faith. See, his word says to us, his children, there shall not an enemy stand before you against whom you fight. But you got to fight. You got to fight the fight of faith. You can't just hope it away or wish it away. You got to get in the trenches. But you don't have to fight alone. You don't have to fight in your own might or your own power because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, makes us more than a conqueror. The power of God upon us and in us and through us enables us to go forth. Very unusual closing, but this is the way the Lord has instructed me. I'm not going to pray upon your sympathies. But if you've been in a fight and you've been, you needed to hear this word tonight about keep looking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep hoping, keep believing. Get out of your seat right now. Come to these altars. I want to pray over you and pray for you. If you've been fighting that fight, I want you to get down here. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. This is your time. We're just going to pray one for another. We're going to ask God to be God and show up in your life, in your circumstance, your situation. We're going to ask him to do what no man can do. We're going to ask him. You know, he says for us to call upon him. And he'll show us great and mighty things. I want you to know that I believe scripture in its entirety. Where it says that he'll confirm his word with signs and wonders to us. If we just reach out to him. If we just trust him. If we just believe him. If we just will give him an opportunity to be God. He will be and he's good at it. See, his word says this. Let God arise. You get that? Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. This fight that you've been fighting is God's enemies. And I want you tonight to let God be God. Now I'm going to pray a general prayer over all of you, but I want you to talk to God. And specifically, name what's going on in your life. I believe God is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I believe God desires to show himself mighty and strong. Anyone else real quickly, then I'm going to pray. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. If you're seated in your seats, I'm going to need you to participate by praying for these at the altars, but I'm going to ask you very quickly to just bow your head for just a moment. If, if you're still in your seat and you say, Dennis, I don't know Jesus. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. And I'd go to hell if I died tonight, but I'd like to ask Jesus to forgive me. I'd like for the one that died on the cross to pay the price for me to save me tonight. If that's you, could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere, real quickly. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Very quickly. This is your moment. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Very quickly. This is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter. You've been running away from God and you recognize tonight you need to make a new commitment to him. You need to run back to him just like Israel did in the story I told. You need to repent. You need to be restored with God. Anyone that's like you. Could I see your hand? Just slip it up and say, that's me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Get it up. 
This is between you and God. All right. Those of you in your seat, listen to me and realize this, that my prayers can't save you. Word of God says that if we believe that Jesus is God's son that died on a cross for my sins, shed his blood, rose from the grave, walked out of there on Easter Sunday morning with the keys of death, hell, and the grave and desires tonight to cleanse us and to set us free. If we believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, we're saved. That's the beginning of a journey that we'll talk more about. You'll need to be baptized. You need to ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. You need to learn his word and he'll help you with that. But let's take care of business. Let's pray. Would you pray with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe you to be God's son that loved me enough to die for me. But you didn't stay dead. You walked out of that grave so that I could live. So I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to learn your voice and to learn your ways so that I can live an overcoming life that brings honor to you and pleasure to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, you see those that have gathered around these altars tonight. God, you know the specific and the details of what they're here for. You know exactly what's been going on in their lives. And God, I just lift them before you tonight. As they've already petitioned you and made their requests known unto you, nothing is hidden from you. You already know, but you wanted them to ask. So tonight, God, we ask you to supernaturally move in, on these natural situations, Lord, and to, if necessary, do a miracle. Do what needs to be done. Do it in a way that no man can take credit, that no man will receive glory, but that you alone, Lord, will receive honor and glory. You're in the audience and you have an addiction you'd like to ask the Lord to help you with tonight. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Nobody's looking around. I want to pray for you. Anybody, anywhere? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? Get it up. You have an addiction. I believe that God has the power to deliver and set us free tonight. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Lord, you've seen these three hands that have gone up tonight and you know what their addiction is. What you've told us in your word is you've come to set at liberty those that are bound. And Lord, tonight... Whether they're a child of yours or not, we ask you to deliver them and to set them free. Lord, your word says that miracles are for the unbeliever that they may see and believe. So I pray, God, a miracle would transpire in their life and that freedom would come. And everyone that knows their life and sees what's happened to them will draw attention to you, Jesus. We thank you for it. We take authority and dominion over the strong man. We bind him in the name of Jesus. We thank you for freedom. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.